So as we come to this place in this letter, uh, there are going to be statements made to different groups of people, uh, to elders, to younger saints, and to all. Uh, but we start with a word given to elders. And you might think, well, you know, um, I'm not an elder. I could, I could maybe just, you know, not pay attention here. But it's not just speaking about an older person. It's speaking about someone who has been given a certain task. It's a word that's used for a function that is to be given in the body of Christ. And the relationship between Christ and those who serve him in this way is worth uh, our understanding because it teaches us something about our relationship to Jesus Christ. And so if we were to look at these verses, we could, we could uh, see that they handle three questions. Who is addressed, verse 1. What are they to do and how are they to do it in verse, verses 2 and 3? And then why? So who is addressed, what are they to do, and why? That's our passage. And so we're looking at uh, what Peter writes here. And he says, The elders among you I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. He's addressing elders. He's addressing those who have this, this uh, function given to them in the body of Christ. They are people who are, uh, in our understanding, as, as uh, Mark mentioned, uh, as Presbyterians, we understand the scriptures to be saying that, that these are people who have this particular function in the body of Christ. But notice what uh, Peter says. He says, I exhort. Again and again in this letter, the, uh, the Apostle Peter doesn't just simply command something. He makes an appeal. He teaches us the truth, and then he, he helps us to understand how the truth is to change the way that we are to live. And so the uh, Apostle Peter, an eyewitness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, is saying, I exhort. It's not a top-down mandate from the Apostle. And that already tells us something about the function of elders. It tells us something about the function of, of Peter in relationship to this. You see, uh, Peter has gone through suffering as a Christian. He's gone through the suffering that he is speaking about by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in this particular letter. He's gone through a great deal of suffering, and he's going to see more. But he is speaking to those who are in this particular context, given this function. He is giving an exhortation to people who are going through suffering. And that's important because sometimes when we tell people to do things in the body of Christ, we tell them as if we are telling them to do something and we are not sharing it with them. But that's not the way that the Holy Spirit has given us this letter. That's not the way that Peter approaches people. He says, I, who am a fellow elder. He puts himself right alongside the elders that he's writing to. Now, he's an apostle. He's someone who was given the, uh, the great uh, opportunity to see the Lord Jesus Christ and to be a witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, he saw... Uh, Jesus Christ transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration. He had great privileges and great uh, opportunities, but he calls himself a fellow 
elder. Because the Apostle Peter understands that this task that's given is a task that is given to people who are fallible human beings. The Apostle Peter, as we saw in John 21, had to be given this task by the Lord Jesus Christ in order to demonstrate his love for the Lord Jesus Christ and his love for the people. This is the motivation that the Apostle uh, Peter has in serving as an elder. And so, again, that tells us something about this function in the body of Christ. The elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder. And then he says, a witness of the sufferings of Christ. He was a witness of the sufferings of Jesus Christ. Uh, The Apostle Peter was there at the trial of Jesus Christ. He was there at the... uh, time when the Lord Jesus Christ uh, restored him and gave him uh, uh, an opportunity to uh, serve by feeding the the flock of God. But he was a witness of the sufferings of Jesus Christ. On the first level, this means an eyewitness. Uh, Peter tells us in Acts chapter 1 that the people who are apostles, as they want to replace Judas, have to be those who were with Jesus from the baptism of John until his ascension and someone who is an eyewitness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's Peter. He actually saw the risen Lord Jesus Christ in his his new body when he came back from the dead. But witness also means something else. Witness means one who tells other people the message. Peter is one who tells other people the message about the sufferings of Jesus Christ and what they mean. And we're going to Uh, remember that uh, today as we take the supper. We're going to remember the sufferings of Jesus Christ. But he says something more. He's not only a witness. He's not only an eyewitness. He's not only one who tells others. He's also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. When he says partaker, listen very closely because you're included. Partaker of the glory that will be revealed. That means he's a participant in receiving the glory that will be revealed. That glory has already been shared with you. As we learn in chapter 4 and verse 14, as it says that you are blessed if you are reproached for the name of Christ, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. The spirit of Glory, the spirit of the risen Lord Jesus Christ, rests on you. You have already received that down payment in the glory that is going to be revealed when Jesus Christ comes back. You, together with the Apostle Peter, are a participant, a a partaker of the glory. And as you receive the supper, you're going to receive God's presence through Jesus Christ by the Spirit given to you in this form you're going to receive that which connects you to glory. And that's important. And he talks about the glory that will be revealed. It's not only something that happens now. It's something that's going to happen on a greater level in the future. You are going to receive this glory when Jesus Christ comes back. It will be revealed in its full form. What we are receiving today is a taste of glory that will be fully revealed and visible to all 
when Jesus Christ comes back. And he tells uh, the elders, those who have this function, uh, one that he shares that they are to do this thing. And it's a very familiar term. But we need to think carefully about how the Apostle Peter learned this term. The Lord Jesus told him directly to feed his lambs, to tend his sheep. The basic exhortation is to shepherd the flock of God, to engage in the work of shepherding the flock of God. Now, flock is a a very tender term. It only appears four times in the New Testament, and two of them are in these verses. That's quite important. Half of the appearances of of the word flock in the New Testament are right here. As the Apostle Peter says, shepherd the flock of God. Jesus said it in Luke 12, verse 32, as he said, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And then in Acts 20, verse 28, uh, the Apostle Paul, when he was speaking to the Ephesian elders, said, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. The church, a little flock, is very important to God. He hath purchased the church with his own blood. And so this task of shepherding is actually a very important and significant task because you're you're dealing with people that are called God's sheep in these precious terms. So the basic exhortation is to feed the flock, to shepherd them. Uh, The same language that Peter uh, heard from Jesus uh, in John 21 and that Paul used in Acts 20, that passage that we saw. Jesus speaks to Peter and he uses the word feed. To feed his lambs. That's what a shepherd does. We were singing about that in that song that was based on Psalm 23. One of the tasks of a shepherd is to make sure that the the sheep have food, that they're able to be nourished properly, that they find the food and that the food is given to them. But he says, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you. Notice those two words, of God. The flock, the group of people that you are shepherding are God's. They belong to God. Acts 20 says he purchased them with his own blood. They are the flock of God. These are people who belong to the living God because they've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's quite a task. That's a task that is uh, all-consuming. And he says, the flock of God which is among you. The point of having a shepherd is the shepherd lives among you. Doesn't just communicate uh, with you on social media. Lives among you, uh, is in the midst. And the, the verb uh, to shepherd uh, the flock of God which is among you uh, speaks of serving as overseers. Uh, which means to oversee or to care for. Now, oversight is not something that we particularly like all the time. I don't want someone to be over me, looking out, looking over me. But it feels like 
rule to me. I don't want to be ruled in that way. I'm my own person. But if you belong to God, if he has purchased you with his own blood, and he's providing for you the means by which you can be held close to Jesus Christ, that's worth considering. We are part of a flock together with a shepherd. And Jesus will be called the chief shepherd in verse 4. That's important because he's one, unlike the others. Jesus is the chief shepherd. It's a word that's only used in the New Testament in that place in verse 4. Jesus is the chief shepherd, the main one, because he's the one who gave his life for the sheep. In the wisdom of God, this shepherding care is provided not only by Jesus, but through his appointed shepherds, his under-shepherds, those who are serving under the chief shepherd. So elders are accountable to one above them. And we're all in this relationship in the body of Christ. So how are elders to carry out their duties? Uh, what is it they're to do and how are they to do it? Well, it says uh, in verses 2 and 3 how this is to happen. And it's, it's three contrasts. We're told not this way, but this way instead. Not this way, but this way. We're told three times. Not by compulsion, but willingly not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. So we're given these contrasts so that we might understand that there's a way not to go about it, and there's a way to go about it. And it has to do with motivation. You see, motives are in view. We're actually being told what the motives of a shepherd ought to be, the motives of an elder, what they ought to be. Motives that strike to the heart of our human nature. Our basic sinful tendencies are exposed in what Peter writes here, verses 2 and 3. Some uh, would serve as an elder because someone pushed them into it. They're compelled. They're being uh, shamed into it or someone decided that it was something that they should do. You know, their mom said, you should be an elder, you know, and they and they felt pushed. But the contrast with that is serving willingly. We don't come to the, this task because our mom sent us. We come to this task because God is shepherding his sheep. And so that's a great privilege. So it has to do with attitude, not uh, as one who is compelled, but willingly to do it as one who is willing to serve. I mean, the Lord Jesus Christ came to, to serve that way. He came voluntarily. He gave his life for sinful men and women and girls and boys. Voluntarily, out of love. And we're being called to exhibit that sort of motivation. And then the second uh, issue is uh, the reason why we, we serve not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. That's an interesting contrast. Because you might think that it might be not for dishonest gain, not for the way that you, that you might enrich yourself and get some, get some extra money you know, in a way that's, that's underhanded, but above, above ground. You know, a laborer is worthy of his hire. You know, a workman is worthy of his hire. That's, that's, it's legitimate, right? But the contrast isn't between 
dishonest gain and true, sincere gain, legitimate gain, just gain, it's eagerness, an eagerness to serve. That's a hard attitude. Willingness and eagerness are attitudes and motivations of the heart. And that's what we're being told, that those who serve in this way ought to serve willingly and eagerly. And then we're told about the manner in which they are to serve. And this one gives us a demonstration of uh, the way in which, um, as Jesus puts it, uh, people of the world uh, tend to, to serve in such roles. Lords, uh, little, little kings with a little uh, group of people that uh, we rule over. No, Jesus says, neither as being lords, uh, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. The idea is to lead by example. Now, the Lord Jesus addresses uh, these matters uh, as he speaks uh, in Mark 10 to his disciples. He calls them to himself and he says, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whosoever, whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. It's important that we realize that when we are called to exhibit these motivations, these different uh, positive statements about what our, our motives and our attitudes should be, that we're following Jesus Christ. We're following the one who actually came to serve. And so uh, we are serving those who, notice these precious words, are entrusted to you. They're entrusted to you because they're God's flock, because they're God's heritage. They have been bought by God's blood, the blood of Jesus Christ who is God himself. Jesus says with his disciples in John 13, verse 15, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Washing the disciples' feet and demonstrating an example for them. And Jesus is a great example for all of us because we're told in 1 Peter 2, 21, that to this we recall because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. The way that we suffer matters because Jesus is our example. And that's true uh, of the other categories as well. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ uh, willingly uh, came to do his work. Uh, it's, it says of him in Hebrews 10, verse 7, according from Psalm 40, that he has come to do God's will. Behold, I have come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Jesus Christ came to do the will of the Father. That's how he came. And that's the way in which we serve following the Lord Jesus Christ. But then the reason why is given, and it's a surprising reason. It's a surprising reason because we know that all of us, when Jesus Christ comes back, will receive a crown. It says it again and again in the Bible. It says it in, in uh, multiple ways. But this is a particular statement that is very particularly said. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory 
that does not fade away. First of all, he's the chief shepherd. We saw that before. He's the, he's the one shepherd who is unlike the other shepherds. He's the chief shepherd. He's the one who leads the other shepherds. And he's also the one who gave his life for the sheep. He's the one who died and was raised from the dead in order to save his people in order that we might understand Psalm 23 as being actually lived out in the person and work of Jesus Christ. When you receive the Spirit, you receive the Spirit of one who gave his life for you and who now in heaven continues to pray for you, that you might understand the full meaning of what he has done in his death and resurrection. Jesus Christ, shepherding you from heaven, the chief shepherd indeed, But he says uh, to those who would serve in this way, he says that they will be given a crown of glory, the crown of glory that does not fade away. The language is uh, used uh, speaking of uh, a certain type of flower, uh, uh, amaranth flower that did not lose its beauty. And it was given to people when they were victors in a competition. And so it symbolized immortality. And so this particular flower, this particular uh, wreath, uh, uh, crown of flowers, was a victory wreath. It was given to winners of contests. And Jesus is actually saying that there's a crown of glory, that there's, that there's an a everlasting crown that is given to those who would serve following the Lord Jesus Christ in this particular way. It is... Not unto you alone, uh, those who serve in this way, uh, to continue uh, to take all of the responsibility of the sheep upon yourself because that's the role of the chief shepherd. That's the role of the Lord Jesus Christ. First Peter 2.25 says, You were like sheep going astray, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls the shepherd and overseer of your souls. You know, Peter can say that. I was like one who went astray. I betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ. I announced that I was was going to follow him to the death. And he said, get behind me, Satan. I announced that I was never never going to deny him. And I denied him three times. And Jesus restored Peter restored him so that we might know that restoration leads all the way to glory. The apostle Peter was restored and we are being shepherded by that same shepherd and overseer of our souls, the Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of times when we have the Lord's Supper and and we'll we'll hear this again uh, at the end of our worship service today, when we receive the supper, uh, we hear this uh, benediction, this statement of blessing at the end. Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. You know what you can pray for those who have been given this role in the body of Christ as elders? You can pray for them to have these particular motivations, that they would have worked in them what uh, the Holy Spirit has designed uh, for, uh, for the people of God to, 
to receive in order that they might be properly cared for uh, by the Lord Jesus Christ through these, through these under-shepherds, that they would serve not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to them, but being examples to the flock. We need examples. We need those who serve with eagerness. We need those who serve willingly. We need Jesus Christ. And we need to see him wherever he is shown. And so if we're not called to be an elder, it's important that we realize that this relationship to our elders is designed to show us Jesus. And we definitely want to follow Jesus because he's the only one who can restore in a way that brings glory. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we ask that you would continue to provide for us the knowledge of how we are being shepherded and guided by the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask that you would provide for those who have been given this task in the body of Christ, that they would serve with willingness, that they would serve with eagerness, that they would serve uh, recognizing that the people of God who have been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ belong to you as a flock, and they are entrusted to them. And we ask that you would cause them to desire to be examples. We ask that you would give them this great motivation of, of receiving this crown of glory that does not fade away. And yet we know that each of us will receive a crown when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. Each of us will be glorified, given new bodies. And we desire to dwell in the house of God forever. We ask, Father, that you would carry out in our lives Psalm 23 from beginning to end. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.